Ah, uh, do you want me to talk? Son of a bitch! Talk to dirty bastard! Fucking bastard! Travel back in time to the eighties, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh-huh. And the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, the fans have voted. You have named your favorite and your least favorite songs of 1980. With me, as always, he's the, he's the new maestro, I like to call him. Brad from L.A. Hey, and let me be clear. It's not the songs from 80s, it's the hits. The hit songs from 1980s, you're right. I'm sorry. Your favorite hits from 1980. We'll explain more in a minute, but first we have to introduce our other guest host. Uh, we welcome back Jen Chaney, our favorite pop culture writer and 80s aficionado, uh, dialing in today from the nation's capital. Hey, Jen, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Who are you writing for these days? Oh, boy. A bunch of different places. I've been writing for New York Magazine's Vulture quite a bit, uh, for Esquire, for a new film site called The Dissolve, still for The Washington Post. So I'm kind of all over the place. Pretty busy. Nice. Actually, yeah. I love The Vulture. That's my favorite blog. One yeah. Of my favorite yeah. It's great. It I'm, is really good. It's really, really great to be part of that team in, in a small way. So in 1980, Jen, how old were you? That was the year I turned eight. Oh. So... <laughs> Part of the year I was seven, part of the year I was eight. Mm, awkward. Awkward. So, <laughs> so, you know, so many of these songs you heard for the first time when you were much older, obviously, when they were no longer uh, floating around. No, that's, no that's, that's, a, that's a bold assumption that you're saying Jen didn't have access to an AM radio in 1980. <laughs> no, and as a, as a matter of fact, that summer in particular, I think I spent the entire summer just listening to the radio. That I, I like. All of these songs so you know are very, very clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and even more random ones that I remember just because I spent my summer, my parents bought like a, a vinyl pool from Toys R Us or something, plopped it in the backyard. And my memory of that summer is just sitting in that pool and listening to Q107, which was our hit radio station, uh, all day, every day. That's all I did. I'm getting a little wistful. I know. That, it's that sounds pretty awesome. It's better than my <laughs> summer today. My God. <laughs> Um, so, Brad, explain to uh, everyone how we came about with this show and how the voting went. So, a couple weeks ago, Steve and I were talking about uh, putting together a survey of listeners' favorite songs and least favorite songs. And we thought, well, we can't just throw that wide open. We'll get so much noise, we won't know what to do with it. So, uh, we pulled up the Billboard Top 100 for the year and just used that as a starting point. And we put together a little poll and invited uh, listeners to come and vote on it. We got pretty good turnout there. Came up with our top five and our, well, I won't say bottom five. Our top five beloved and top five not so beloved. Uh, not Yeah, our, our least favorite, our hated hits. Yes. 
So let me. So people could actually vote for more than one. They could vote for as many as they wanted, right? For yes, both we, we call that consensus voting. Right. And were you surprised that none of the songs appeared on both lists? Um, I was a little bit. It's funny. I was just looking at that today, and a couple of the songs that are at the top of the favorites um, do figure prominently in the um, least favorites, but they weren't high enough rating there to get. Ah, it's a shame. Window. Yeah, it'd be nice well, if something was on both lists. Yeah, maybe maybe one of the coming years if we keep doing this series. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go one song at a time. We'll start with what we call the top five still awesome songs of 1980, and let's get it started right now. Number five. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I, I did not know this was a 1980 song. Yeah, this is uh, Damn the Torpedoes, their third album. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was uh, not their not the first single off that album. Uh, the, the album came out in 79, as a lot of these things, uh, a lot of these songs and albums were released in 79 for this. Um, and it peaked uh, in uh, mid-March 1980 at number 15. The trivia here in I was in middle school when this song came out. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Um, and the T-shirt that said "Tom Petty, uh, Damn the Torpedoes" was a very popular T-shirt to have at that time. Oh. You would go down to the county seat and buy it. You would be sent home by my school principal if you wore it to school, though, because mm. it had "damn" in it. Because it had "damn" in it. They, they wouldn't just slip a piece of painter's tape over it and send you back to math. If, if you were lucky, you you could wear it inside out. <laughs> oh. Just, um, the whole inside out shirt thing was pretty played yeah, out. Yeah, I'd rather just 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 send me home. Just and home. the other shirt that would get you sent home automatically was the Jack Daniels uh, logo shirt. Uh, I don't know if that was popular out uh, where you guys grew up, but it was real popular down here in Florida. <laughs> and, and, uh, you don't say. I'm shocked. And remains popular now. I I could. My mom actually bought me the shirt. She bought her middle school son a Jack Daniels shirt. The mind boggles. Um, and I knew I couldn't wear it to school, so she um, she turned it into a big stuffed pillow for me, and so I slept on it every night. Aww. Wow, and that's you, so that's so sweet. It is until you realize, like I'm, you know, got an alcohol problem that's centered around whiskey, and, and yet you became <laughs> yet you became a wild turkey man. Where's my wild turkey shirt? Anyway, um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Have you, any of you guys seen them live? I'm sure you have, Jen. Yes, I have, and, and, and you know, there's certain <laughs> that, four times. Four times. No, no, no. Uh, actually only once, uh, when I was in college because they were playing, uh, I went to William and Mary and they were playing at, at William and Mary hall, which was literally right next to my dorm. Um, but my mom was a huge Tom Petty fan. Like she loved Tom Petty more than any other artist. So all of his music and, and with the heartbreakers, just very evocative of childhood. Cause it was always being played in my house, including this song. He, uh, he, uh, he cut his teeth in Gainesville. Um, he was from Gainesville, and I think that he and the Heartbreakers formed in Gainesville, Florida, um, shortly before I started going to school there. And the bar that he became famous in, that he worked in, that he eventually played in, was called Dubs. And Dubs at that time was famous for having a wet T-shirt contest every like Tuesday night. And the only my only connection in college with Tom Petty was that I once I had a fake ID and I was able to sneak in to the wet T-shirt contest, only to find out. Get this. The wet T-shirts don't actually stay on very long. I was really? shocked. Really? Shocked. 
Interesting. So, Tom Petty, if he, if he could have just told me that, you know, it would have been a lot less awkward. <laughs> anyway, okay, I'm, I'm a little surprised that this made the top five, but uh, let's see what else is on the list. Number four. Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Uh, this was released in the UK in late 79, but not in the US. And so radio stations over in the United States started getting a sniff of it and started playing import copies. And as a result, Electra kind of jumped on that because they were building, you know, that was back when people listened to radio to hear new music and then went and bought it. You know, crazy. What a crazy idea. I know. And so... They uh, Electra kind of rushed the release and got it out just at the end of 79 in the United States. Um, and it was Queen's first number one hit. We did a whole podcast on this album um, a couple of years ago. It was, it's one of my favorite podcasts to this day. Um, and I think I said then at the time that I hate this song. Really? Why? Well, it's it's very different. It's very outside the standard style. It's not. It doesn't sound like a Queen song to me. It sounds like some sort of like little rockabilly number. Yeah, but it's so fun. It's interesting that this is in the top five, but another one bites the dust wasn't because that song was just everywhere uh, in 1980. Wasn't it 1980 and that song was popular? Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I would. I'm, not, I'm surprised that um, another one bites the dust. Um, we'll have to see if it appears in the bottom five ranking because it. I can imagine a lot of people got sick of that song. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Well, that's yeah, too. I wonder. It, it's hard to climb into the brain of the stuck in the '80s listener that's voting on this, but I kind of wonder if some of those things people are just reacting to. The oh god, I still got so tired of that. <laughs> I, I mean, that is the danger with the early '80s is that some of these songs. I mean, you heard them on the radio, so you bought the album, you played the album a thousand times because you earned five dollars a week, maybe an allowance. So one album would have to survive you for quite some time. Yeah. And then you heard it at the roller skating rink nonstop. So, I mean, these songs I probably know better than any song, you know, in years since just because you literally heard it a thousand times a month. Yeah. Well, but I feel like now you even have the capacity to hear things that much more because you can play it whenever you want. You know, like uh, I had to wait to hear something on the radio if I didn't have the album. Right. Whereas now that's just completely unheard of. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You sat around waiting to tape record a song off the radio. What does that mean? You know, (laughs) I used to do that too. (laughs) Who didn't? Oh my God. That's how you, that's how you figured out the lyrics to songs. I remember sitting there forever trying to capture uh, foreigners uh, urgent on tape because I was trying to, so I could play it over a thousand times to learn the lyrics. How'd that work out for you, Steve? (laughs) So didn't it didn't uh, like everything it, it's caused a huge mental splinter that, that ended up forming this podcast well, so. speaking of mental splinters let's uh let's keep rolling so at number three pat benatar heartbreaker uh, this is another one that, you know, really came out on an album that was released in 1979 at the tail end. And that was Pat Benatar's first album in the heat of the night, which I have in its entirety on my iPod. Uh, no, I don't have any other of her albums on my iPod except in the heat of the night, um, although I have many of them on vinyl. Um, this song peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 in March of 1980. 
and spent 10 weeks in the top 40. Um, and according to my fun facts that are in front of me, uh, the song was named the 72nd best hard rock song of all time by VH1. That's just and weird. You know, that is just weird. I don't think well, of this is a hard rock song. No, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it has that. It has elements of that. It has elements of that. I suppose back in black, but I mean, it's it's a hard <laughs> rock. It's not heavy metal, but it but it has. But it's a hard rocking. Yeah, yeah okay. you know, it, for the time it, within the within the genres that were on radio, this would have been considered rock. On the, oh, absolutely, absolutely, no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still kind of shocked by the whole you only have in the heat of the night on your iPod. I would have thought for sure you'd have Crimes of Passion. You know, um, I have some songs from Crimes of Passion. I don't have the whole uh, album on my iPod. For some reason, in the heat of the night, like the the other songs on it that you don't hear as often, like just created a, a greater impression on me. So I was more nostalgic when I started listening to that album. I'm like, oh, I need all of these. So I just downloaded the whole thing. But. Well, Both very good albums. I was a huge Pat Benatar fan. Pat and Neil, thank you for your support. So yeah, so <laughs> yeah, really we have to get your 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 vote on this. Uh, do you think it's cool or kosher that Pat Benatar now insists upon when she when she tours that she, it has to be Pat Benatar and Neil Gerardo? Uh, I mean, I respect that in a way. Uh, I mean, I I still think of it as a Pat Benatar enterprise, really. But uh, I respect that. It's nice that her she and her husband have stayed. Married for so yeah, long. Yeah, they've been together for a long time. Yes, yeah, so yeah. they met. Time. They met the recording of this album, right? Yeah, I believe she that's was true. just getting divorced, and they started dating after she split from her first husband. Right. There so, still top five, top five for nineteen eighty. I guess I, I could see people voting it up there. We cannot question the will of the listener, Steve. No, they have spoken. It's not my favorite on that album. I have to say, what's your favorite on that um, album? Uh, you knew we were I mean, going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I mean, of the, well, let me put it this way: of the hits off that album, I, I prefer "We Live for Love" personally, um, just because I feel like I've heard "Heartbreaker" a few too many times. Yeah, but yeah, easily. Unlike this next song on the list, Are you guys ready? Number two. Ah, uh, Blondie. We knew she had to make the top five list. Um, funny story about Blondie. She's never been on Stuck in the 80s podcast. Um, at least twice now, I think. On the eve of a show you know, in Tampa Bay, we would get a phone call from her manager saying, Oh, by the way, did you want to speak to Deborah?" And we're like, well, yeah, like two or three weeks ago <laughs> when, we, when we could have turned the story around and had it in tomorrow's had it in paper. Air, yeah. <laughs> so but they, they're, they're very much last minute when it comes to publicity. But... Um, mm. And of all things, just toured this last summer with Devo. Yeah, yeah. My son was really angry with me for not taking him to see that show. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for him. It was outside here. It was like a September outdoor show in Florida, and you just do not go to uh, outdoor shows in Florida in September. Yeah, we don't have that uh, problem in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Call Me was released. Uh, oh, it actually is a 1980 song. I would have never yeah. have guessed that. Um it's the main theme song from the film. Anybody? Anybody? American Gigolo. Thank you very much. Not included on any Blondie studio album, released only as a single. I, w- I would never have guessed that. Yeah, I mean, it's such a big hit. You'd think they would have thrown it in the next album. Mm-hmm. So the thing, I, the thing I found out about this I thought was funny was that Georgie Maroder initially was uh, looking to partner with Stevie Nicks on this song. And I cannot imagine this as a Stevie Nicks song. Only if you slowed it down. Yeah. Way down. Down. And then it would suck. (laughs) 
You don't like Stevie Nicks, do you? I really don't, no. Why? I just don't. I don't like her voice. I don't like all the gypsy crap. <laughs> all the gypsy all crap. All the gypsy crap. Although one of my favorite jokes that no one ever gets is when somebody says, you just gypped me. I say, look, I'm a gypsy and that offends me. Nobody ever gets that joke. See? Yeah, I don't get it either. Moron. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a very weird coincidence for our top five here. Three of these five songs, or the three of the four we've talked about so far, all appear on 1980s seminal Chipmunk Punk album. <laughs> wow. Call Me Refugee and Crazy Little Thing Called Love are all on this uh, kind of comeback album for the Chipmunks. There's a DJ in L.A. who played Call Me at Twice Speed and basically just joked, oh, yeah, this is off the new Chipmunks album. And people started calling and asking for it. And that kind of one thing led to another. And the guy who was the son of the original guy who had done the Chipmunks records was like, oh, we had to do a Chipmunks record. So I don't know. Maybe Alvin is uh, stuff. For some reason, nineteen eighty seems to be a big year for novelty songs, and maybe we can talk about this a little more if we have time after going through the list. But I just feel like there was a lot of that in the air at the time. Uh, So maybe that explains the 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 chipmunks being popular again. That's true. I mean, nineteen eighty, you have what the end of the Iranian um, hostage crisis, missile crisis, (laughs) missile crisis. (laughs) Maybe I'm remembering my history wrong, Brad. So you had the whole bomb Iran. Sort of novelty song. I think you had a lot of songs. Doctor Demento was kind of in his the apex of his career, so you had that market for novelty songs, and so maybe that's why we get some strange oddities. Yeah, maybe. Uh, among the oddities is not the number one pick on this week's list. What is it? Number one. Cars by Gary Newman. This is a weird pick for number one. Why? It just it's an odd song. I think it's an obvious pick for number one. Oh well. I, clearly the listeners <laughs> have spoken. Yeah, well I think of all the songs that we that we've talked about, this is the one that is most clearly dated to me. Uh you know, Steve, you were saying earlier, like I didn't realize or, or remember that Refugee was nineteen eighty and you were talking about how crazy little thing called love. You know, it doesn't really sound like a Queen song. Well, I would also say those songs are kind of timeless in a way. And uh, they still kind of, I mean, they don't sound like new songs anymore, but they don't sound, I don't. But they're not so much of a time. Yes, exactly. And this Gary Newman song is just like, clearly that came out in the 80s. You might not know if it was 80 or 81 or 82, but you know what decade it is the second you hear it. I used to carry around this song on a cassette tape 
when I was shopping for a stereo. In case you had to get into a <laughs> dance-off with another rival crew? Yeah. No. Uh, so this song, not a number one hit in the U.S., topped out at number nine, but spent 17 long weeks in the top 40. And it would also be Gary Newman's only top 40 hit in the U.S. And I believe when we did a show on one-hit wonders, I wouldn't be shocked if we included Gary Newman. And that probably wasn't really fair, but... Why not? I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a definition of a one-hit wonder. If you have one top 40 hit, that's... Well, I, th- I think he was much more popular in Britain than he was over here. He still tours. I mean, he's still very active. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, in fact, I, th- I want to say he was in Orlando a couple of years ago at a, at a decent-sized club doing, like, a short U.S. tour. And I, I seriously considered coming over to see him. What do you, what do you think he closes with? No, don't say that. <laughs> I, I would like to see him. I'd like to see him open with this. That's what takes yeah, off. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> you yeah, open with your respect hit. for that. Or just don't play it at all. I've seen two bands do that. Two bands I've seen have played and opened with their biggest hit. Naked Eyes and um, Psychedelic Verse both did that when I saw them play live. Wow. So there you go. I was actually surprised that this only topped out at number nine on the charts because I just remember being so popular on the local sort of top 40 radio station, they would do a top five of 10 and every night they would count down the top five songs. It was always number one for what seemed like an eternity. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe it was just more popular in DC. I forgot all about those nightly countdowns. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. My mind just got blown a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So that is our top five most beloved songs as our fans and readers and listeners have, have deemed them to be. Um, What's next our top five lame then and lamer now. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Bring the heat. Has everyone loosened up? Loosened up the snark? Here we go. Number five. Babe, I'm leaving. I must be on my way. The time is drawing near. My train is going. I see it in your eyes. I object to the inclusion of this song in this list. Podcast over. What? Steven Spears, the listeners have spoken. You will talk about it. How could you put Babe? It's right here in your contract. How could you put Babe as the most hated song? This wasn't lame then. It's not lame now. I, I, I don't it's a little go- bit lame now. It's pretty schlocky. Oh, <laughs> We have anchored the Spearsy. <sighs> Okay, um, first of all, Cornerstone, 1979 album, one of my favorites. It's only an EP, not an LP. Um, Babe, as as the great Dennis DeYoung told me during our 90-minute long conversation, only half of which I was ever actually able to use as a podcast, he wrote this song as a birthday present for his wife, who I talked to um, backstage when I saw him last time. That's very and sweet. He, it is uh, nice, yeah. He wrote a lot of songs for her that um, didn't make it into a uh, record. No, I'm not taking out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, don't. I don't know that woman. <laughs> the um, so so um, he wrote this song for Suzanne. Um, played it for some of the band members. Um, did not want it to be on the album. Had to be talked into it. Hmm. Um, he does all the vocals on it. If you listen to the chorus, it's all him. Just just layered, layered over himself over and over again. And um, he still plays it in concert to this day. I love this song. Um, it kind of makes me sad. I, hope, I wonder, I have not seen Sticks perform lately. 
the, the Lawrence Gowan version of Sticks. I don't know if they play the song. I'd be shocked if they did. Yeah, I, I don't know. That seems that would be like there there is a line somewhere, and that seems like it would be crossing it. I, I remember um, when he was playing the song in rehearsal when I saw him last time a couple years ago, and Suzanne was like, she's one of the background singers when um, Dennis tours now. Really? Yeah, and wow. he's got like two or three background singers, and she's one of them. But for this segment, she was on the side of the stage <laughs> reading a romance novel, I think. And so I went up to her and I asked her, you know, told her who I was, and I'd already interviewed Dennis at that point. And um, so I, we started having some long conversations. And she's like, "This is all off the record, right? This is all off the record, right?" <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I want I, there's one thing that I think that she wouldn't mind me sharing it because I asked her. I said, "Do you ever get tired, you know, of hearing, you know, Lady and Babe? I mean, the songs that he wrote for you. I mean, I mean, you must get. I mean, you've heard them now for thirty, forty years. I mean." Surely they're a little weird. And she just looked at me and she's like, not at all. Oh, that's Aww. nice. Yeah. See, there's another couple that's been together for a very long time, right? We had Pat Benatar <laughs> and Neil Gerardo and now this other very touching love story. This is really turning into a very romantic podcast. Aww. I didn't want it to be. Schmoopy. <laughs> Schmoopy. <laughs> They've been together since high school. so. Oh, my gosh. So I wow. think that now that we've made a case that this song does not belong on this list. But what about the next song on our lame then Lamer Now list. Number four. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. If you're not into yoga. If you have half a brain. If you'd like making love at midnight. In the dunes on the cape. And I'm the love that you've looked for. Write to me and escape. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Rupert Holmes' Escape, the Pina Colada song, which I objected to just on the grounds initially that I think of this as a 1979 song because it was released in September of 1979. I actually have it on a CD of Billboard's top hits of 1979, so it's sort of ingrained in my mind that way. However, it stayed on the charts in 1980, and in fact... Uh, was the first number one song of that year, and then it fell out of the number one spot, and then reclaimed it again later in January. So it was it was uh, it was number one uh, when the year began. So I guess it qualifies. I personally don't mind this song so much, but I have a feeling I'm in the minority here. Oh, it's bad. It's just bad. And but, as a rules lawyer, I'm going to say it's on the 1980 list. It counts. Sure. It, you know, Billboard put it up there. It's good enough for me. I don't think until we get to the number one song on this list. I don't think there's another song that we're going to talk about today that is more non-80s than this one. I mean, it's just it's dripping with 70s in my mind. Yeah, maybe that's part of it for me too. I mean, I'm a sucker for a song that tells a story, but uh, I don't know. Like, oh, you were going to cheat on me through the newspaper, but it ends up being with me. Oh, okay, let's go home then, sweetie. No harm. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, that would happen. Actually, I like this song because it has a twist. There's an actual plot to this song, and it has a twist ending. It's like the M. Night Shyamalan movie of, of songs from 1980. It's exactly like that in the sense that he made one good one and none good sense. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I read somewhere online that the chorus was originally supposed to start with If You Like Humphrey Bogart instead of Pina Coladas. Which would be terrible. Which would, I mean, that doesn't sound good. I'd rather date someone who liked Humphrey Bogart than Pina Coladas. But it doesn't sound as good. No, it didn't. So um, when he was recording it, he was talked into saying 
hey, why don't you just put a cocktail name there instead? And he picked Pina Colada because it was the first cocktail that came to mind. Well, it works. I guess uh, Wild Turkey and Diet Coke didn't have quite the zing. You like gin from the bottle? (laughs) (laughs) Watching out in the rain. And watching DVDs of Purple Rain. Ooh, I see what you did there. We're gonna make this. We're gonna make this song better before the end of the show. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I need to. I need to correct myself. I uh, I was reading the notes a little too quickly, and uh, earlier when I said that this song was number one the first week of 1980, that's actually not true. It was number one like the second week in 1980. Just in case anybody is really concerned about exactly when. Oh, there they are. Trust me, someone will have called us on that. Song. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we sometimes Steve and I introduce errors on purpose just to give people. Uh, an excuse to write us letters. Isn't that right, Steve? <laughs> yeah, we do those on purpose. Whatever works. <laughs> the, um, it's kind of weird because these, I mean, it was sort of a great moment in his career. I mean, it's a huge hit, but it was also a career killer. I mean, from then on, he was known as the dude with the Pina Colada song. Yeah, although he went on to do other things, right? He's like a writer now, isn't he? Yeah, he does. He went on to become a playwright, TV writer, novelist. He's had a hell of a career outside of music. Yeah. It's just weird that for the most part, you know, when his when his obituary is written, you know, Pina Colada is going yeah, to be in the lead. Yeah, that's going to be the lead. <laughs> yeah. He had another song on the chart this on this top 100 of 1980 chart too. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, "Really? There was other Rupert Holmes songs?" <laughs> and all yesterday when I was telling the story to other people about this song, I kept calling him Rupert Everett. <laughs> Like, Rupert Everett, the guy who wrote the... And they're like, Rupert Everett wrote Pina Colada song? Like, yeah, hell yeah, he did. I love him in my best friend's wedding. <laughs> I wonder why everybody was looking at me funny until I looked... And then I looked at the notes and I was like, oops, well, important not to listen to me all the time. Okay, let's find out what the number three song is on our Lame Then, Lamer Now countdown. Number three. Supply, Lost in Love. So I should say that uh, Air Supply almost had two spots in the bottom five. Um, Babe snuck in at the last minute and bumped a second Air Supply song. So um, if you're an Air Supply fan, you know, be happy with that. If you're a Styx fan, less so. Uh, so if you're a fan of both bands. <clears throat> well, then you got problems, Mac. Uh, <laughs> so this was, again, this was released in Australia in 1979, but uh, in the United States a little bit later in 1980. Uh, it was on the uh, Lost in Love album, which had the other great songs, All Out of Love and Every Woman in the World. <laughs> oh my Why are you gosh. laughing? You can't this even say so, that. With there's straight. so much this is, cheese. This is pop, just so this much is pop music at its best. I don't understand what the problem is. Oh, it is so much cheese. Oh, is this the is this the song? I don't think it's Lost in Love, but it's one of these songs that they, someone's done a literal video to. Where he's on the plane. It's it's so funny. I know which one you're talking about. Their video. That's making love out of nothing of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that that video, I have to post that video on the blog so people can see it because the literal video is hilarious. But this song, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like those other ones. It's kind of soft, uh, schmoopy hits. I will tell you that this, I'm pretty sure this was on our, our Horrible Hits podcast. Um, I think a lot of Air Supply made our Horrible Hits podcast series, and I think we did that a couple of years ago. So if you want to go back and check those out, I know we had a lot of fun doing those. Um, but we were called on the carpet 
because a couple of years after those, we actually had a chance to uh, interview Air Supply for the <laughs> podcast. And Daly and I just were like sucking up big time about how much we loved Air Supply. And it was a really fun interview. And um, they couldn't have been nicer. We got I got invited backstage. Um, for their, I'm sure they're absolute pros. Oh, my God. They're sure backstage. They're, absolute pros. they're like, hello, Steve. And then they gave me wine. They're asking me questions about Tampa. I mean, I could have stayed there all night if I'd wanted to, I imagine. But it was just the most bizarre experience. So today I have nothing but respect for them. But uh, a few years ago, I probably did uh, not like this song as much as I should have. Well, and, mm. and if you, too, want the air supply experience, I think they're still touring. They are. They're doing mainly um, casino shows these days. They were here in... I think they were in Tampa Bay over the summer. They did like an outdoor uh, festival. They were in Orlando a few years ago playing one of the fairly large size venues. They still get around. They still have very – I guess if you're a fan of Air Supply, you're called an airhead. You're kidding, right? No. No. They really call themselves that? Yep. Wow. <laughs> did not know that. Says all you need to know. Uh. <laughs> you guys ready for number two? Bring it. Number two. Yes, here we are at number two. That was uh, Bette Midler, The Rose, uh, a song that was written by Amanda McBroom, but was associated with the movie The Rose, which also starred Bette Midler. Uh, and this was a song that, again, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I remember very clearly what I was listening to on the radio that summer of 1980. And man, this song was played a lot, oh, yeah. a lot. Uh, it peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and was number number one on the adult contemporary chart uh, and certified gold. Uh, sold over half a million copies. It's pretty pretty amazing. It's um, the 45s. Does anybody remember the movie that it was on? Did Vaguely. Anybody... Vaguely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was... I, I remember that it was on HBO and my parents would turn it off because I really wasn't allowed to watch it because I believe it was rated R. Yes. Um, but I knew the song. I feel like the, that song is also uh, like a karaoke sort of standard at this point, right? I would think so. I mean, it's slow. It's not a super high soprano part, so you know, mortals can hit those notes. Right. Do you guys do karaoke a lot? No, only when I'm out of the country. <laughs> yeah, not not a lot. Every once in a great while, I might do it. But it just it, it, this is a this is a belter type of song, and it's the kind of song that I think if you've had a couple beers, you're like, man, I love the rose. I'm gonna just... nail this. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it, like a lot of karaoke songs, it's done better if it's done by the opposite sex. So if a guy does the rose, it, it automatically is funnier. Obviously, um, the one song to always avoid in karaoke is. Uh, Come on, Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Tura, lura, ura, eh? If you see the lyric, yeah, if you see the lyrics displayed in front of you, it's just it's total gibberish, and mm. it's you just no way you can sing it. You'd be better off going with by memory. Here's your here's your worst nightmare in a karaoke situation is American Pie. Ooh, I had I was at a, a trade show with a bunch of my European colleagues, and we were at a vendor party, and there was karaoke, and they're like, "Oh, we picked a song for you." I'm like, oh, great, okay, and th- that's what it was. I'm like, seriously, guys, this is 11 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I guess what's worse, that or Inagata DeVita? Uh, They're both pretty bad. I don't know. I struggled through American Pie. That's funny. Bette Midler these days is still around. She last toured in 2010, I believe. Um, she appeared on Broadway earlier this year, the first time in 30 years. And uh, last year she appeared in the movie uh, Parental Guidance with Billy Crystal. Did anyone else see that besides me? I did not see it, actually. It's not bad. I, we, we actually, I actually paid for it on pay-per-view. <laughs> it's hard to find like a family-friendly movie that everybody wants to watch. But yeah. I, will, I will give this my, my reluctant endorsement. So, I will not, however, give my reluctant endorsements to the number one song on our lame then, lamer now. Um, let's put it off no longer. Here it is. Number one. Did you think the Captain and Tennille would avoid us completely? Uh, then you were wrong. Incorrect. Uh, again, like um, the earlier song, this is a like the, the Pina Colada song, a 1979 song that feels very much like a 1974 song. Yeah. This yeah, is, absolutely. Um, it I mean, is, you guys, you remember, the, they had a variety show. I mean, oh, yeah, more yeah. 70s than that. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, were you guys ever, I mean, should I ask if you guys were fans? I wouldn't say I was I a liked, fan, but I watched the show. I remember watching the show. I, you know what? I, I would love will keep us together. I, I'll, I'll go to bat for that song. I, I still enjoy that. I mean, for its, for, for what it is, it's, it's well crafted. It's well put together. Uh, you know, Tony Tennille has a, a beautiful voice. Um, but you know, the, in the 1980, this, you know, when you say 80s, you don't think Captain and Tennille. It's no, no, kind of the last gasp. For it them. was, it was very much their uh, nearly their last gasp. It was. Um, their last big hit, their last hit at all. Um, two other songs off this album, uh, Love on a Shoestring, and a cover of the Turtles, Happy Together. Both reached um, the mid-level of the charts, but neither of them got high enough to be considered to be a real hit. And the song logged four consecutive weeks in the runner-up position to what beloved Michael Jackson song from 1980? Anybody? Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> That's rock with you. Oh, sure. So there you go. Was that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm like that um, seems early for that, but no, that's no. right on time. Right on time. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fact. <laughs> uh, these days, um, Tony Tennille still performs occasionally solo. Um, in late uh, 2009, 2010, she announced that um, her partner Daryl Daryl Dragon, which by the by all means is a better name to use than the captain. It is. If my name is Daryl Dragon, well, you know where he got you know where he got the captain nickname. I think yeah. he got that when he was playing with uh, the Beach Boys. Maybe did he? I think so. We're going to stick with that then. That's almost as good as Carlos Danger. I mean, Daryl Dragon. That's pretty good. Daryl Dragon. I'm sticking with that. I'm starting a solo career. If that's my yeah, name. yeah. The Beach Boys lead singer Mike Love gave him that nickname. Interesting. So um, awesome. So take t- that, Spears. <laughs> so fact. So the dragon, the dragon developed a mild form of. Uh, of something similar to Parkinson's disease, but not Parkinson's disease, um, and which gave him tremors and makes, makes it kind of difficult for him to tour. So he does not normally appear anymore. I guess they occasionally still might do something, or he might you know do something in the studio, but you won't see him live pr- pretty much ever again, mm. which, which is sad. Yeah. So yeah, it's in on a downer note. So uh, so instead of ending on a downer note, 
I'll note that we did get at least one or two uh, write-ins, people who for some reason felt like the uh, suggestions we gave in the poll weren't good enough. You must follow the rules. You must follow the, the rules. The rules. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff in uh, Reno, uh, Nevada, wrote in to say he'd like to nominate Suddenly by Olivia Newton-John and Cliff Richard as one of the top songs of 1980. Did it not, did it not really do that well on the, on the poll, Brad? Uh, I don't remember it registering much. That's fine. That's funny. Um, and as far as the worst songs, he would say Larry Graham's One in a Million. I don't even know what that song is. I can even, only vaguely remember I that. I can vaguely remember that. I mean, but suddenly I remember it was certainly pleasant. It has Olivia Newton-John singing on it. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love the yeah, – I love uh, – Xanadu the Xanadu soundtrack is fantastic. The ELO yes. side, oh, at least half of it's fantastic. I would say so. more than half. Uh, Suddenly is probably my least favorite song on that album. Even though what? I don't, even though I don't uh, object to it, I, I think there are better songs than that one. But Xanadu should have been represented. There's no question about oh, definitely. it. Definitely, that might have been my number. Well, uh, yeah. Let's see. No, Suddenly's not in here. Suddenly was not a, a, one of the top 100 songs of 1980, so that's why it didn't get any votes. Weird. Mm. Weird. Magic was and yeah, and, and it didn't get any votes. <laughs> Must have been late. <laughs> People, so be it. We'll let it be. Um, so there you have it. We'll come back uh, with another show sometime, and we will talk um, we'll once again. Put the poll out to you to answer uh, what songs you loved then and what songs you hated then. In the meantime, there's one thing I do still love: the saggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Hey, we'll play a segment of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, Brad will say your name in our next show. Pay attention. Here was the clip from our last podcast. Come on, get it, cowboy. Yes, the woman in red. Brad, who were some of the people who got it right? Oh, well, this week's winners include Dr. Dim, Scott in New Hampshire, Alex Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, Dave Featherston, Kevin Wench, Chris from South Lyon, Jeff Camera in Vegas, and Paul in Indianapolis. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. You have a year of a tuna? <laughs> Get this. Steve, we actually have some prizes for next week's uh, contest. Excellent. What are they? Our friends at nightrideronline.com have offered us a kit ornament to give away. Um, Hallmark just announced their 2013 uh, ornament collection, and uh, lo and behold, there's a, a little kit replica that you can plug into your Christmas tree lights and the little light bar goes back and forth. Really? I yeah, like it's, that. Pretty, it's pretty cool. So uh, for those of you who don't remember Knight Rider, well, shame on you. Uh, and you should go check out nightrideronline.com and be amazed. I watched the remake that they did on TV a couple years ago that had, um, what's his name from Real Genius, doing the voice of Kit. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why his name escapes me, but yeah, Val Kilmer was the voice of Kit. There have definitely been a few restarts. There was that. There was uh, Team Knight Rider, which was a syndicated program. Um, and this fall, Universal is bringing it back as a digital comic, which I think just means it's on the web. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, send, us in, uh, send us in your uh, your guesses, correct and incorrect, and we'll draw a winner from all the correct answers uh, and send out this lovely kit ornament to Excellent. lucky winner. Send your uh, your answers to sit80s at gmail.com steve in the 80s at gmail.com or brad in the 80s at gmail.com ah the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune hey you know the drill we will play a snippet of a song from the 80s if you get it right what do you get this week brad uh 
hearty, heartfelt congratulations and your name mostly read correctly on the podcast. That's it? I'm afraid so, but, you know, it's looking up for next week. Okay. We'll see. Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery tune. Yeah, that's a little familiar, Brad. Refugee by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Haven't you ever heard of foreshadowing, Spears? Yes, I have. I'm the master of it. Yes. Remember when I said the show was going to suck? Yeah. <laughs> hey, now. No, it's been a great show. I love this show. Uh, read some winners. Winners. So this week's winners include Charles from Yorktown, Virginia, Colin Hayes, Shazam from St. Louis, the other John Brandt in Phoenix, Rob Notaro from Long Island, Tim in Harrisburg, PA, Kevin Wench, Chris from South Lyon, and Big Trouble in Little Kansas. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. Filled it up with bubbly wine. If you know it, email us at SIT80S, to be very specific, at gmail.com, Steve in the 80s at gmail.com, or Brad in the 80s at gmail.com. When the good folks at Knight Rider Online offered us that ornament, I went and checked them out and noticed that there is also a replica of the Griswolds Wagon Queen Family Truckster. Uh, in the collection this year and so stuck in the 80s uh, is going to offer one of these as a prize for this week's name that 80s tune so get it right and uh, we'll put you in a drawing excellent and one lucky winner will get a truckster you think you hate it now wait till you put it on the tree <laughs> we'll be right back after this message skin is thickness fat with flavor skin is skinny that's the shape of only one gum gives you nine slim sticklets instead of seven wide ones in a regular pack. New sticklets in natural spearmint or peppermint. Skinny sticklets, fat with flavor. See how skinny tastes fat. People all hate him so Why they shot him I'll never know He's the star of the picture show J.R. Besides he's just trying to get ahead Oh lord please tell me He can't be dead J.R. Not my hero And we're back And we have time for uh, one last wrap up question uh, between the two of you, do you have any personal other likes or dislikes from uh, 1980 that we didn't go over today? Well, I have some weird ones. That We like that. Yeah. Do you guys remember the song Who Shot JR by Gary Burbank that was based on Dallas, of course? No, I don't remember it, that at all. It was a novelty song that was came out like that summer after that big episode aired when everybody was talking about Who Shot JR, and it was called Who Shot JR. Very popular. Uh, at least it was among people who watched Dallas, I guess. Uh, there was another one, another kind of weird novelty song called Space Invaders about the Space Invaders video game. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, by another – Gary Burbank was a DJ, uh, and the guy who did Space Invaders was also a DJ. His name was Uncle Vic. Uh, that's another really – you've got to look it up. You've got to find it on YouTube, and you'll be amazed by the musical quality of it. <laughs> and then and then just one other one I really wanted to mention is um, – do you guys remember the song Into the Night by Benny Mardonis? Oh, yeah. Of course. But I want you to know if I could fly, I'd pick you up, I'd take you into 
was another one that I just remember hearing all the time that summer uh, on the radio. And I was I never really gave it any thought. And then I was thinking about it today. Like, the first line of that song is, she's just 16 years old, leave her alone, they said. Like, shouldn't that be the end of the song? Like, this is yeah, a song so about like, a pedophile. A <laughs> <laughs> leave her alone, they said. So I did. And then the song is over. It's kind of creepy if you think about it. I didn't yeah. really think about it when I was younger. But uh, anyway, those were just some that came to my mind. That's a great song, though. I mean, lyrics aside, I love that song. <laughs> it does have a soaring quality to it. Yeah, yeah. Soar- soaring was big in the, yeah. uh, in the oh, yeah. yes. oh, yeah. late 70s. The vocal stylings uh, of Mr. Murder. <laughs> what about you, Brad? <laughs> the one song on this list that jumped out at me when I was putting it together was Stomp by the Brothers Johnson, which I was probably not that familiar with in 1980, but I've heard it recently. I'm like, this is a great song. <laughs> It's just got this great bass line. Oh, I love that song. Um, in nineteen eighty I was tortured by my family into going to see the village people movie. Multiple mm. times. Can't stop the music. You guys remember that? It is part yep. of the Stuck in the 80s lore, yes. Yeah. The, the lore is that, of course, later on, my mom would spend $80 to buy the movie on VHS back when a movie would cost you $80, yeah. which she denies to this day, which is just a blatant lie. And if I could prove, if I could find, if I could dig up a receipt, I, I would. But uh, on the Village People movie, in the Village People Can't Stop the Music, which, by the way, started a very young Steve Gutenberg. Ooh. Um, but along with the rest. you're really selling it now, Steve and Bruce Jenner. So pre uh, oh, pre wow. plastic surgery, if you want, pre pre Kardashian, right? If you want to see what Bruce Jenner really looks like, watch "Can't Stop the Music." Um, but it has a great song on there. Well, I, I can't, I can't. Well, it has a song. I'm not going to call it great. Called uh, "Ready for the '80s," and it's kind of campy and fun, and it's a great song in the podcast with. So uh, we'll let the village people do the honors for us. But in the meantime, stay tuned. Uh, hopefully, we'll come back soon with our 1981 uh, uh, favorites and most hated. And as, as usual, Jen, we really appreciate you coming back on the show. Oh, it was fun. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm promised that the 1981 songs will be not quite so so uh, light FM oriented. Well, you know what? I hope that they are. <laughs> They're really kind of counting on the listeners. Yeah, here, yeah. Stephen. They've 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 disappointed us before. <laughs> That's true. But the village people never disappoint <laughs> us because I'm always ready for the '80s. In the meantime, I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the '80s. Stuck in the '80s is a class of '85 production. Please listen responsibly. Who wants this one? Should I do it since it's a lady? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> lady.